All right, instant reaction to the uh, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, or big event, whatever the hell you want to call it. I'm muting it right now. It's over. Shayna Baszler won the Elimination Chamber, which I think was obvious this was going to be the main event of a real B event. And that doesn't mean I thought the event sucked. I'll get to it. I'll get to every match. Plus, I've got some thoughts on WrestleMania and the Ruthless Aggression documentary series that the WWE Network is doing. But this was an event that was sold based on what? This, this was an event that does not fly without the WWE Network because there is no way myself and most people who watch this thing are buying this thing. Because it came in with no hype. It didn't come in with the stars. It didn't come in with a lot of ramifications for WrestleMania 36. I mean, the main event was the one match that really had the ramifications to WrestleMania. We already know what the universal title match is. Roman Reigns didn't even need to go out and win an elimination chamber. He basically came out, said he's next, so he's next. We know about McIntyre and Lesnar, so the two title matches are already set. And usually the Elimination Chamber has been used either for a championship match or for a number one contendership match. We didn't get any of that when it came to the men. So you knew going in, all right, the main event of this show tonight is a women's Elimination Chamber match with the winner facing Becky Lynch. The problem with that is everybody who's watched the program, knows they're setting up Shayna Baszler against Becky Lynch. But here's where I'm going to say some complimentary things. Considering we all knew the result, we all knew going into the main event, there was no way Ruby Riot was winning. There was no way Leave Morgan was winning. There's no way Natty was winning, Sarah Logan, and even Asuka. We knew Shayna Baszler was going to win. I give them credit. They made the match interesting. They made it a little bit different. Instead of, you know, just your typical Elimination Chamber match, oh my God, Shayna Baszler won, we're all shocked. She dominated. This was like Lesnar-Cena from SummerSlam a half a decade ago, where they got her over, at least as this monster, and it was a little different, because usually in these matches, you don't see one person dominate somebody else. That's what made that Lesnar-Cena-SummerSlam match so special. So from that standpoint, uh, this match wasn't half bad. It wasn't boring. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I I was watching thinking, all right, so she's going to make everybody tap out. This is a dominating effort. How is she going to beat Asuka? I guess she'll make Asuka top out too, but how long will they even let Asuka fight? The only negative I'd say is I don't think we needed the three minutes in between the pods opening up. You know, think about what they do in the Royal Rumble when Lesnar was eliminating everybody. I think they sped the clock up just to get somebody out there. So I don't think we needed, you know, Asuka screaming at the top of her lungs and Shayna Baszler screaming at the top of their lungs before the pot opened and the woman came out. So it wasn't half bad, I got to admit. Even though we all knew going in exactly who was going to win. Now, as far as the rest of the card is concerned, Daniel Bryan against Drew Gulak. (laughs) I just wish they were doing more with Daniel Bryan than, you know, trying to get over a Drew Gulak, who, is that even how you pronounce it, by the way? 
I know he was the Cruiserweight Champion at NXT. Well, during this match, which was a good match. I'm not crapping on the match. The match was fine. It was a good wrestling match. It started off a little bit slow, but it ended up being very, very entertaining. But Drew Gulak has not won a match since September when he was the Cruiserweight Champion at NXT. And the only reason I know that is because in the early stages of this match, I kept asking myself, has Drew Gulak ever won a match in the WWE? I was just curious. You know, I know the angle they've been pulling on SmackDown lately where he's claiming with his PowerPoint presentation, I see weaknesses in Daniel Bryan. And so Daniel Bryan's fighting a, a bunch of different guys. He's beating all of them. But Gulak is like this expert that knows Bryan has weaknesses. I get the gimmick. I get the, the angle they're going with. But I was curious, has this guy ever won a match, at least in the last few months? Because how am I going to take it serious that he's going to be Daniel Bryan when this SOB hasn't won a match since September? And he hadn't. He hadn't won a match since September when he was the Cruiserweight Champion at NXT. So, I look, I give the WWE credit. They made me care about Drew Gulak, and it was a good match. Especially when... Daniel Bryan looks like he breaks his neck with that suplex and he bounces hard off the mat because that that actually scared the crap out of me for a second. I mean, when Daniel Bryan first came back a couple of years ago, the first few matches he were in, and obviously the first one he was in was that WrestleMania tag team match. Every time he took a bump, you're almost worried. At least I was. And so I was a little bit worried when Gulak does that suplex and, and they showed the replay of it. I mean, Bryan is like, Bouncing off of the mat. I I am curious what they do from here with both of these guys. Obviously, Daniel Bryan's a megastar. They're keeping him out of the title picture. They're keeping him out of any anywhere close to the main event. I mean, he'll have a match at WrestleMania. Did do, do they give him a rematch with Drew Gulak? And did they put it on the pre-show? I mean, could that match, could a rematch between these two, if they further the angle, even be on the main WrestleMania card? And so I appreciate that they're trying to get this guy over, but it kind of sucks that it's happening at the expense of Daniel Bryan, even though Daniel won the match. I just think that you, you could main event Daniel Bryan. I mean, would it have been crazy for Daniel Bryan to be facing a Roman Reigns or a Brock Lesnar or a Drew McIntyre? Not at all. He's as over with the crowd as anybody. So fine match, good match. But now what I want to see is what are they doing next? They made someone like me care about Drew Gulak. Great. Now let's see him win some matches and let's see them kind of further who he is. The Andrade Umberto Carrillo match, that was very good. It was a good match with a lot of close calls, a lot of false finishes. I was a little distracted by Andrade wearing a raincoat out to the ring. Didn't it look like a raincoat? And Umberto Carrillo, I don't know how old he actually is. He's got a face of like an 11-year-old. Looks very, very young. But hell of a match. It was a good match. As he retained the United States title. The Elimination Chamber tag team match. Again, I went into this match thinking, no way Miz and Morrison lose. They just won the tag team titles. I doubt they're putting him in this match to be defeated. I thought it was, it was good. I mean, look, it's an elimination chamber match. You kind of 
have seen a lot of the different things with Elimination Changer over the last 18 years. So you're looking for something original, something different in a match like this. I thought they gave it to us with Otis running through the pod and running through the chamber and ending up on the outside. I don't think I've ever seen that in all the billion Elimination Chamber matches. You had the underlying story of Otis and Dolph Ziggler. You had Otis's partner. That's how I refer to it because I forget his name. Otis's partner is jumping off the top of the pod. That was kind of cool. One of the uh, Lucha Libre house party guys is hanging off the top of the chamber. I thought they did a very good job in this match of just doing things you haven't seen before. So, you know, from that aspect, I was entertained. I never thought, though, for a second that Miz and Morrison were going to lose. And I think that's best for both of them. You know, Miz, as a heel, was great. They tried to make him a face. It doesn't work. He's good as a heel. And I think right now him and Morrison have something going in the tag team division. But it was a pretty good match. The Alistair Black-AJ Styles match, I'm pissed off at myself because I just figured, all right, AJ's going to beat him. That's it. You know, it's AJ Styles. I know they're trying to build up Aleister Black, but AJ's clearly got a match with Undertaker. And I I guess because of this event feeling like such a B event, I forgot about the fact that, wait a second, the Undertaker's going to show up and it's going to cost AJ Styles the match. There you go. You keep Aleister Black strong. Everybody's happy. AJ loses. It's not a big deal. We're furthering the Undertaker-AJ Styles story. And maybe it's because I was watching the Nick game mostly. But while I was watching this match, I just was waiting for AJ to beat him clean. And that's not what happened. You know what it clicked with me that Taker was showing up? When AJ and his guys, the bar, not the bar. I'm thinking of Sheamus and Cesaro. The OC. Let me get that right. When the OC and AJ are beating up Aleister Black three on one, that's when I was like, ah, okay. Taker's coming out. And by, the Undertaker looks like a senior citizen. I'm sorry. And, I, and I'm not saying that to rip him because there's nothing wrong with being a senior citizen. There's nothing wrong with getting older. I'm older. We all get older. He's just, he's old. I, I mean, the Undertaker should have retired five years ago. I, I said that on our Undertaker WrestleMania retrospective, which you could check out in the archives of the Evan Roberts podcast. But he's obviously not retiring. He's continuing to go. The, the one thing I'm hopeful for is that he's going to lose to AJ Styles at WrestleMania. And the other thing I'm hopeful for is that they make it a one-on-one match because now I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder if they have the OC involved and he's been involved twice now with The Undertaker beating up the OC. You've got Aleister Black who they're clearly trying to get over. They don't they're not going to have a story for him. He may not even be on the main card. I'm starting to think they're going three on two. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they give Alistair Black the rub by teaming with The Undertaker, and AJ teams up with his buddies. And I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I get why they would do it. I think it would benefit Alistair Black in a huge way. But I don't know. I, I would rather just see a one-on-one match between Undertaker and AJ Styles. And I don't think that contradicts the point that Undertaker should have retired. I'm just saying I'd rather have a one-on-one match than a three-on-two match. But I'm starting to get the feeling that that's where they may be going. That they may be saying, you know what, we'll go three-on-two. Remember, Undertaker's last match was a tag team match. And it was a good one. It was a very good one. 
at Extreme Rules, I think. McIntyre was involved. Shane McMahon was involved. It was Undertaker Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. Check the archives for when I did an instant reaction to that event. I wonder if I actually said it was a good match then. <laughs> Maybe my memory is telling me differently. I don't know. I do know Undertaker Goldberg sucked. That I know for sure. Street Profits against Rollins and Murphy. It was okay. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, you kind of knew where it was going. Kevin Owens interferes. I, I can't get used to Kevin Owens doing the Stone Cold Stunner. I just can't. You know, I, while I think the Stunner is one of the great moves of all time, it's fantastic. I love it, especially the way most people sell it. It's Austin. It's Austin. It's not Kevin Owens. Now, let me get to what I really have a problem with. This may surprise you. Because you probably think, ah, Evan loves redheads. He's probably a big Sami Zayn guy. I think Sami Zayn's a hell of a wrestler. He was great in NXT. And he was pretty good in the WWE when they actually used him correctly. Over the last how many months, Sami Zayn has been a manager. He's been using the stick, as they say. And in the process, you know, trying to help Nakamura and Cesaro, two guys that are not great with the stick, get over with the crowd. So they set up a three-on-one match Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Cesaro versus Strowman for the now ugly Intercontinental title. I need two minutes to bitch about that. But let me get to the match. Sami Zayn, again, I I did my research because as I'm watching this match, I asked a similar question to what I asked about Drew Gulak. I said, when's the last time Sami Zayn wrestled? When's the last time? Out of curiosity. The last time Sami Zayn wrestled in any kind of match, according to some website I googled, (laughs) pro wrestling stats, whatever it is, was December in a six-man tag match. The last time he won a match was on July 27th on Smackville. Remember Smackville, that weird WWE Network show? And it was a dark match against Apollo Crews. So that guy who has not wrestled in a match since December and hasn't won a match since July 27th on something called Smackville is now your Intercontinental Champion. And again, I didn't see that one coming. And sometimes it's not good to not see something coming. Now, a lot of times it's good, but when you don't see something coming and it sucks, it still sucks, even if you saw it coming or not. I love Sami Zayn. This is not a knock on Sami Zayn. But again, this is the intercontinental freaking title. This is Braun Strowman. The guy's barely wrestled. You want to put the belt on Nakamura again? Fine. You want to put the belt on Cesaro again? Fine. Sami Zayn doesn't even wrestle. He's like a manager now. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I don't care how much you mark out for Sami Zayn. The facts are the facts. The guy hasn't wrestled. Now we're giving him this butt-ugly Intercontinental title. And why did they do that to the IC title? Why would you do that? The Intercontinental Championship, the traditional one, you know, the one the Ultimate Warrior would hold, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Bret the Hitman, Hart, guys like that. It's a beautiful title. And recently, I don't even know how recently it was, they brought back the original look of the IC title. Ryback was walking around with it a few years ago. And for some reason, Braun Strowman is now, the title is awful. It doesn't even look like a belt. Tag team belts suck too, by the way. 
Hey, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, all the belts suck except for the U.S. title. I, I, it just hit me. The Universal title and the WWE title and the Raw Women's title, all those titles, they, they make it like color-coded. We don't need that. I miss the World Heavyweight Championship, and I miss the, uh, the WWE, the Winded Eagle. Is that what they called it? I miss the Winded Eagle, the Winged Eagle. Winded Eagle, what the hell am I talking about? The Winged Eagle, I miss that. So that sucked. I'm not a fan of that. I I guess Roman's just going to go over him at WrestleMania. Now, speaking of WrestleMania, let me spend a few minutes on WrestleMania. I'll get a few minutes on the Ruthless Aggression documentary. I'll do that in a second. First, two signs I saw that I loved in the crowd tonight. Unfollow Bobo and Audit High Pitch Eric. I like that. Both stern references and both fantastic. As far as WrestleMania and the way it's looking, the Goldberg thing, the Cena thing, all of that. I've had, you know, what is it, two weeks now, week and a half to kind of digest what they've done. I, I The, the thing I, I just don't love about any of it is we'll start with Goldberg. Bill Goldberg cannot wrestle. Now, the WWE in this second tour of duty with Goldberg, they've booked him great. They've booked him the way they should have booked him the first time around. You don't have him have 13-minute matches. You don't stick him in an elimination chamber like they did back in 2004 or 3, 2003. No, 2004. No, it was 2003. SummerSlam 2003. Actually, he was booked well in that elimination chamber match, the more I think about it. Anyhow, the matches he had, The Rock, Chris Jericho, the endless matches with Triple H, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. They were way too long. They didn't book Goldberg like the destroyer he was in WCW. And they have during this second incarnation of him, from his first match back with Lesnar at Survivor Series, to what they even did at WrestleMania when Lesnar beat him again, to what he did with Kevin Owens. The Undertaker thing, that's a different story. But they've booked him... You know, quick, boom, let's get the hell out of here. So I like that part. But I just can't get over the fact that they put the freaking belt on him. You know, I don't have an issue with Goldberg wrestling. I actually have more of an issue with The Undertaker wrestling. And that doesn't mean The Undertaker is worse than Bill Goldberg. It's just that I think you can get away with a one-minute, two-minute, five-minute Bill Goldberg match. But putting the belt on him after you built up Bray Wyatt sucks. It sucked at the moment, and it sucks now. Now, are they going to be able to overcome it with Bray Wyatt? It looks like they are. He's in a featured match with John Cena. He's probably going to beat John Cena at WrestleMania. He's going to avenge his loss at 30, which they've even referred to, which I love. But I I just, I'm not loving Bill Goldberg as the Universal Champion. And I don't know if this is the way you want to get that belt to Roman Reigns. It's been a long time coming for Roman to win back the Universal Championship. It's been over a year. But this is how you're going to give it to him? They got to be careful with this match. It's definitely not the main event. I mean, the main event is clearly, I think, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre. They've treated it as such, and I think that's what will be the main event. You look at the card overall, I can't say it's a bad card. It just features a lot of part-timers. And and I'm not necessarily sure the part-timers have been used incredibly well. And I mentioned this before. I don't even look at Brock as a part-timer anymore. I mean, Brock is there now enough, especially compared to Cena and Goldberg and The Undertaker. When you look at Brock compared to those guys, 
I mean, Brock's basically a full-timer. Now, I would say I'd be stunned if McIntyre doesn't take the title, but if you remember WrestleMania 34 when we all thought Roman Reigns was going to be Brock Lesnar, I don't know. I do think McIntyre will win, but the one thing I learned from WrestleMania 34 is never be surprised by anything. And speaking of not being surprised, I I love the WWE Network. I have said many times, so, most nights I put the network on to go to sleep, especially now that I'm done watching Dawson's Creek, and I've binged it completely. We do all these retrospectives, and the reason we're able to do it is I tell Dennis, the official retrospectiver of the Evan Roberts podcast, and myself, I go back and I watch all these matches either from a career or from an event, and it's a lot of fun to do. And so we're able to do these podcasts instead of, you know, the old days going to a blockbuster to rent a pay-per-view or whatnot. So I love the network. And I like a lot of the documentaries that they do, even though I know they're filtered. They're filtered through the lens of what the WWE wants to tell you. So I've watched Ruthless Aggression. Ruthless Aggression. And... I'm entertained, okay? I will admit that. But the one on evolution was too much. I mean, it was basically a back massage to Triple H. And even though it's a podcast and you figure I could say whatever I want, trust me, I wasn't thinking back massage. I was thinking something a little X-rated. That's what it was for Triple H. Oh, he's so smart. He single-handedly saved Ric Flair. Oh, he's so smart. He made Randy Orton a star and read him the riot act. Oh, he's so smart. Batista. My goal going into it was I want to make stars. I mean, enough. Even if a lot of it's true, and it is, Triple H is a Hall of Famer. I'd be the first to admit it. He's great. And yeah, he did contribute to getting over Batista, Randy Orton, and resurrect Ric Flair's career. I thought the evolution... Uh, stable was great. I'm a fan of it. Big fan of Batista specifically. Loved the Batista turn. But even that, when they're talking about the Batista turn, you got to hear Triple H say, I pushed to take it slow. I said to Vince, Vince, you don't want to rush. I mean, my God. It's almost like he's married to the boss's daughter. Oh, wait, he is. Come on. And again, I, I say this as somebody that, that likes Triple H, that thinks Triple H was a great wrestler, that he's going to be great replacing Vince McMahon if he is the guy to replace Vince McMahon. I think wrestling is in, a, is in great hands if it's in the hands of Paul Levesque Triple H. I'm the first to tell you that. But it was so over the freaking top. Oh, my God. He's the best. He did this. He did that. Now, I know why they do this, but did Randy Orton wrestle by himself at SummerSlam 2004 when they gave him the World Heavyweight title? Because it sort of seems that way. But the documentary is entertaining. It just doesn't feel accurate in any way. It feels as if they're telling you what they want to tell you. And now, all of a sudden, they've defined this era of ruthless aggression. Was it even an era? When did it start and when did it end? I don't really know. But hey, I, I love the original programming they give us. I'm a sucker. $9.99 a month, I'm in. Now, speaking of which, last thing I'm going to touch on. 
The idea that they may take these big events off of the WWE Network is a massive mistake. Because I love doing these instant reaction podcasts. They're fun. They're therapeutic. Uh, Hopefully you like it if you download it, even if you're disagreeing with me or you don't like wrestling. I like doing it. But if they're going to take these events and go back to the traditional path of pay-per-views, I don't think I'm going to order all of them. I certainly wouldn't have ordered this one. And this event wasn't half bad. The matches were entertaining. I think most of my reviews for these matches were pretty positive. WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble. Those are the two events that they got you. You know, they charge you 80 bucks. You have to go to wherever, BR Live or Fight TV or whatever. I would buy it. I think most people would buy it. But a lot of these other events... You got to keep it on the WWE Network. It'd be a big, big mistake to take it away. Well, this was it. This was the final big event before WrestleMania 36. I'll obviously have an instant reaction to that right after it's over on April 5th or April 6th, whatever day it ends. We'll do a WrestleMania preview and prediction podcast, but there's a lot of podcasts throughout the month of March. Our MLB Fantasy Preview Podcast the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania retrospective. And I'll bring John Jastrzemski back and we'll do our MLB predictions again like we did last year. So a lot coming up. Obviously, you can listen to Joe and I Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock on the fan. This has been Instant Reaction Elimination Chamber on the Evan Roberts Podcast.